Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 2 of the Uniquely Better Life podcast. I am your host, Chase Cotton, the Community Director here at the Willow Center in Brownsburg, Indiana. Now, last year, and what a heck of a year it was, we started the podcast for the first time ever, and Season 1 was all about sharing people's stories, especially folks who are in recovery themselves, just to try and provide hope to those of you who are tuning in each month. And it was such an honor to hear those stories, both from clients of the Willow Center as well as community partners. But we're doing something a little bit different in Season 2. What we're going to do this year is dive into different topics within the mental health and recovery community that don't get the attention that they deserve. Some of the topics will be a little more taboo, a little harder to talk about. Some of them will be a little more run-of-the-mill and a little easier to, to talk about. But regardless, what we want to do with these topics and with our guests this season is bring the attention that these topics deserve so that you, the listener, can feel heard and seen and encouraged in your own journey. So without further ado, I'd like to kick off episode one of season two, and today's topic is what is recovery anyways, and what is it not? I have my colleague Hope here, who I'm so excited to introduce to you, but before we do that, let's hit our intro music, and then we'll get started. again, thank you for listening and welcome to episode one of season two of the Uniquely Better Life podcast. Hello, Hope. How are you today? Good afternoon. I'm good, Chayas. Thanks for having me here today. I'm really excited to We're be excited a part of this. We're excited to have you. So uh, Hope is uh, one of the newest members of the Willow Center team. She is a client engagement specialist, and I'm going to let her introduce sort of what that means and what she does, as well as just share some little bits of her background and information, why this is a relevant topic for her. Yes. Thank you, Chase. My name is Hope. Um, I am a member, an active member of the recovery community, and I also am a person in long-term recovery. My recovery date is June 15th of 2019. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yes. And so I've been able to enjoy continuous, um, some people call it clean time, some people call it sobriety or recovery since that day. Um, I haven't had... um, the desire or want to pick up our drug or a drink. Um, so it's awesome. Yes. And now, um, being here, I am just blessed with the opportunity to be a part of the Willow team. And, um, it's just so happened that Ashley and I have some mutual friends in the recovery community. Mm-hmm. She uh, brought me in and I was just, uh, really blown away, um, just by the connectedness that I felt and, just what the Willow Center is about. Yeah. And I was just like really excited on board with um, how strong of advocates they are about restorative justice mm-hmm. and how I could play a role in that and um, just helping people uh, rebuild confidence and um, help them like unlock their potential. And essentially these clients that we're working with encourage them that they too can be leaders in um, the recovery community. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. So tell us a little bit about what, what your job is. Like what client engagement specialist is a little bit jargony. It sounds cool, but for the <laughs> listener that doesn't know, what does your job look like? What do you do for the Willow Center? Okay. So essentially, you know, I, I work directly with the clients, primarily those that have tra- transitioned to our recovery management group. That's held uh, once a week. 
and it's clients that have already gone through our outpatient program so they have a bit of a foundation in early recovery Mm -hmm. um, but they're just looking um, to give back and to remain supportive of each other and so primarily it's an opportunity for us to help them have a sense of community um, share their experience, strength, and hope with each other. Nice. And, um, and like I said before, you know, really encouraging them to see themselves as those leaders in the, in the recovery community. And I know that you and I have talked about the mentorship program here as right. well at the Willow Center and um, just really providing the tools necessary for people um, to have that confidence in themselves to know that, you know, they can give back. Yeah. And they can have an impact as well. I love that. So mm-hmm. really your role is like, you're like an equipper, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're equipping those who are early in the recovery to continue in the recovery as well as to give back to others who are just starting their journey out. I think that's such an important yes. role. Yes. It's really like the glue between, uh, you know, treatment and, um, you know, transitioning back to like everyday life and sobriety and yes. learning how to have fun in sobriety too. Right. And so, I mean, this role is being developed and, you know, we're sharing ideas right now. And really, I think my main objective is to understand what the needs of the clients are mm-hmm. and being able to do some research, find the resources available to provide them with so that they can, like you said, continue on the program of recovery, even after receiving services here. Um, you know, our goal is long-term sobriety and recovery. Right. And it's, we're not only um, invested in the client while they're uh, receiving services here at the Willow Center, but how they're going to um, continue in that mm-hmm. and um, really show them that it's a lifelong thing. Uh, recovery is lifelong. And so directing them um, to the resources that are available within their community, even outside of the Willow Center, Yeah, that is being developed now. And I've already noticed needs, like for instance, finding a list of felony-friendly renters, mm-hmm. uh, finding a list of felony-friendly employers. And if that have some anxiety about reaching out, asking for help, going to meetings, um, that I will be that person to go with them and to encourage them and um, just really help connect them, like I said, and just make sure that they're being um, led to the resources that are available within their community. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's such an important role. So with this topic of recovery, I mean, gosh, we could sit here for three days and not even, right. <laughs> not even like scratch the surface of exactly. what it means to everybody who's in recovery in particular. But to you personally, what does recovery mean? How would you define it in your own words? Or if you have any resources to share that would help you define it, okay. we're all ears. What does recovery mean? Okay. If I only had one word to use, and you know, I have many more words. <laughs> <laughs> What's your one word? But the one word is freedom. Mm, freedom. Mm-hmm. Why? So as I mentioned, I am an active member in the recovery community. Mm-hmm. I am also a member of Narcotics Anonymous. I also attend other 12-step fellowship meetings. And so I'm familiar with the literature that they have there. Sure. I have a sponsor and I also sponsor other women. Yeah. My sponsorship style is what's been like passed on to me. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And the first um, assignment that my sponsor gave me was out of the Narcotics Anonymous, the basic text. Okay. And I'll, I can sh- show this to you really quick. Yeah, please do. Um, the first assignment is the symbol. Have you ever seen the Narcotics Anonymous symbol? I actually haven't. Okay. So the symbol 
I'm just going to show it to you really quick. And you've probably seen the AA symbol. It's like a circle with a triangle inside of it. Right. Okay. So the NA symbol is similar, but it's a circle with a square inside of it. Okay. But actually, it's a three-dimensional symbol, oh. meaning that these um, the, the four sides of the square are actually sides of a pyramid. Interesting. And the top, the point, is freedom. Ah, oh, so I love the symbolism. Yeah, that. so the the significance, and I'll show this to you in a moment. The significance of the symbol is that if you broaden each side, they call it like broadening the base. Mm-hmm. Um, the higher the point of freedom. Wow, and That's so there are four sides. One is self. One is God. One is service, one is society. Okay. So the way, and what it means to me personally, um, because, you know, I did this assignment and now I give it to my sponsees. Right, sure. Is that, you know, I am a very literal person sometimes. So I'm like, okay, well, what is the dictionary definition of each one of those words? Mm-hmm. But then like, what does it mean to me personally? So right. one, and then also um, another other thing is what is the context of it mm-hmm. in the reading? And so then once I get like an understanding of the word, um, the context of it, and then like the dic- dictionary um, definition, then I reread it and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean to me and how can I apply it practically to my life? Sure. I'm all about practical application. Yeah. Right. And so if I practice each of those things more, if I do more service work, mm-hmm. if I consciously work on my connection with my higher power, mm-hmm. if I work on myself through practicing the 12 steps, if I make more connections, if I do all of those things more, the higher my point of freedom in recovery. Broadening and strengthening those base sides yes. increases the point of freedom. There you go. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. I love that. There's that, so much power in, a, in that's just in a the nutshell, symbol. Just yeah. the symbol. So let me just show it to you real quick so that... That's For the listeners, she's showing me a picture of the NA symbol. You guys can Google it if you want. See? That's awesome. That's it. In a nutshell, freedom. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. So that's what like the Narcotics Anonymous program is all about. Mm-hmm. There's only one promise. And the promise is freedom from active addiction. Yeah. But there are many gifts of recovery as well. Okay. What are those gifts of recovery? Or just explain maybe a handful of them. Okay. So the gifts are obviously available to everybody that does the work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would say everybody, uh, pretty much receives the same spiritual gifts, Yeah. but they look differently outward, outwardly. They look different in each, each person's lives. Each member's lives, each member will have different gifts of recovery. Um, but essentially as long as you like practice the spiritual principles of honesty, open-mindedness and willingness, which Mm -hmm. you and I had a brief discussion about, that's like the, how of the program, how it works is practicing these spiritual principles. And um, those were, again, honesty. Open-mindedness and willingness. Honesty, open-mindedness, and that's the acronym and that we use in um, NA is how, how it works. Okay. Um, those are the three, I mean, there's so many spiritual principles, but those are the three essential um, that, that you need to continue like in your journey of recovery. Yeah. Um, because if you don't have the, the willingness to surrender, well, if you don't have the honesty to accept that there's a problem, Mm -hmm. um, and admitting that powerlessness, um, and if you don't have the open, open mindedness to know that there is a better way to live and the willingness to do the work, um, then you won't, you won't maintain sobriety. You won't maintain, um, recovery. Right. So I think that's really interesting to me, you know, especially the, the surrender piece. So I think, I mean, for a lot of folks who aren't in recovery yet or know nothing about recovery, whether or not they struggle with addiction in the first place, I think that surrender piece is, is 
got to be one of the hardest, right? Like surrendering that, like, yeah, like you said, like you're powerless to, to this hardship that you're experiencing. Now, as a treatment center, like we believe addiction is a brain disease, right? right? Now, it's a brain disease with behavioral symptoms, and okay. we're still responsible for the choices we make, of course, um, especially if those choices harm other people. But, that, like, I think that that surrender piece sometimes gets, I don't know, glossed over outside of the recovery community even. So can you tell us more about what that surrender means? Sure. I know for me... Um, quite frankly, like admitting powerlessness was life-saving. Yeah. Another thing, recovery, I said it, I would use one word, but another thing that recovery is for me is life mm. because to use is to die. Yeah. You know, and so it's life, it's life or death for me. And mm -hmm. I know that, you know, I mean, I've been out numerous times and done the research and, and I'm convinced, um, to use is to die. Yeah. Um, so to, to recover is to live. And it's just a matter of, uh, for me, unfortunately, I guess like the consequences had to get great enough. Yeah. And a lot of times they say in the rooms like, um, all right, when the pain of remaining the same is greater than our fear of change, surely we will let go. Hmm. So uh, pretty, pretty much what it's saying is, is until the, for me at least, until the consequences got great enough, I wasn't willing to change. Yeah. So maybe another way to think about it is like each person has a different a different depth of rock bottom. Exactly. Like my rock bottom is not going to be the same as the next person's rock bottom. And until we reach that rock bottom, the choice is not going to be made. That's what I'm hearing you say. Right. And unfortunately, that's the case for most of us is that we have to endure a lot of pain. Mm. And I know that's my story is that the pain had to get great enough. Right. And so literally for me, like I was kind of, and I've experienced recovery in the past. And unfortunately, I've ha I have had some relapses. Sure. But this last time around, like I literally had lost everything Yeah. and I was experiencing homelessness. I was, you know, unemployed. I had lost everything. Right. And for whatever reason, I had to get to that point and I had exhausted all resources. Right. Okay. I had no options mm -hmm. and I literally had to beg my father to talk to his wife and for them to allow me to come stay in their home. Um, so I could get back on my feet right? and they're both in recovery as well, which is awesome, which is awesome. But at that point, that was for me, another level of surrender, right? Because I knew that, okay, I'm willing to do anything. Recovery is life. Recovery is life. Like I am willing to go to any length because I know that if I continue living this way, I'm either going to die or I'm going to end up in prison. Right. And something just happened one day where I wanted to live. Yeah. And so. Which is so powerful. I mean, just the change in, in consciousness that happens from mm -hmm. that. From being in active addiction to like gaining that desire for life. Like that is a huge mental and emotional switch that happened. And spiritual it really switch is. too. It really is. And and sorry that I'm going to like keep quoting like the Narcotics Anonymous well, literature. And possibly like the AA literature as well. Just because I'm familiar with both of those sure. books. But it also says... Um, and there's a really awesome, um, like daily meditation book called just for today. Okay. Um, that's published by narcotics anonymous. And it was, um, I just read it uh, a few days ago and I, I believe it's in the basic text and also in the, it works how and why mm -hmm. that, that freedom only comes in the admission of complete defeat mm -hmm. only comes in the admission of complete defeat. So it's in that moment of saying, okay, like you throw your hands up, like I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like I, 
I am going to stop fighting. Right. And in that moment, that is when the freedom comes in. Uh, that admission of complete defeat is the first step, mm-hmm. admitting powerlessness. But I've always seen it as like the first step is like can be a divine exchange. Right. In, in admitting powerlessness, you're allowing a power greater than yourself to come into your life. Right. It's and not so, just a. It's not just a surrender and like nothing, right? Like right. there's there's the next piece of surrender. Exactly. So in that surrender is one is when you allow the power greater than yourself. Right. And for some, it's the group because that is the power greater than us mm-hmm. to to recognize that we're a part of a greater whole. And right. That, and something we say at the Willow Center a lot is the opposite of addiction is connection. Yes. Absolutely. And so having those connections and being a part of community and for me is like recognizing, okay, my way wasn't working. Right. I'm going to read the literature. I am going to have faith and trust in the process and recognize that there are predecessors that have, you know, put together this material right. that have decades of recovery of abstinence, uh, clean time, sobriety, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that they, um, Maybe I'll take their suggestions because right. they seem to, to They figured know. something out. They figured something out. So being able to have that trust, even in just one person, my sponsor, and being able to be teachable, being able to be open-minded mm-hmm. and take the suggestions of others Going that have went for you yeah. and apply those spiritual principles and be willing to do the work because they say, you know, it is simple, but it's not easy. It's a very simple program. You know, but as humans, we tend to overcomplicate things. Right. And, but, um, so it's very simple, but it's not easy because it requires work. Right. It does require work. It requires working the steps. It requires uh, building those relationships, being of service, being accountable, all of the things. And it's a complete drastic change. And another thing that they say in the recovery community is um, you only have to change one thing. Hmm. That one thing is everything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. What a zinger. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Everything has to change. Okay. So if that's true, like, is recovery the same thing as just sobriety? Okay. So, okay. So my boyfriend is five years, over five years sober. Yeah. And he's very familiar with the AA literature. And him and I had like a little debate about this the other day because, and I did a little research uh, because I knew you were going to ask me this question. Sure. <laughs> It's an important and question. Yes. So what I have found is that, number one, it depends on which circle you're in um, because all of these terms can be used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, sobriety, recovery, clean time, abstinence. But there is a difference, really. Um, what is that in your opinion? Okay. So sobriety, um, even though it is used the same in the AA literature, if you look up the dictionary definition, which I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> sobriety is pretty much um, without drink correct? So there's the possibility that you can be practicing abstinence without um, applying and practicing a program of recovery to your life. Yeah. Because recovery, just like addiction affects all areas of our life, recovery should as well. Mm. And it's not... That's worth, that's worth like just pondering. Like if the listener didn't hear that, that's worth saying again. If... Well, you worded it so well. You say it again. Right. So addiction affects absolutely every area of your life. Yeah. Recovery has to as well. Recovery has to as well. It has to touch every area So it's not just that hour, an hour and a half that you're in that meeting. It's the other, um, let me see if I could do the math, um, 23 or 22 and a half hours of the rest. Right, right. And how you're living outside of that meeting place. That's so huge. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like there's like these little like trendy... Like, um, what, what is it? There's like uh, the no drink November trend that goes around occasionally. And like, (laughs) 
people, I feel like almost flippantly use the word sobriety. Um, and I think it's so important that, that you've pointed out this distinction for us because yeah, like, yeah, like you said, like recovery touches every aspect, right? Who you're friends with, right? Like how you are as an employee or a colleague, like right. what your outlook and attitude is, what's going on on in your insides, your spirit, your heart, your mind, like yes, it's all those pieces. Yes, it's and not so just I, not using. I 100% believe in a holistic approach, and that's why I'm excited to be on the Willow Center team because I believe that that's what this program, what their programs are all about. Yeah, is looking at the whole person. Mm-hmm. You know, um, physical mental, emotional, spiritual, and how all of those things intertwine. Right. In fact, that, that reminds me of one of the models that we use as part of our outpatient program. It's called the eight dimensions yes. of wellness. Right. So the eight dimensions of wellness are physical, social, occupational, financial, environmental, spiritual, emotional, and intellectual. So that is like that, like a, a great model for understanding what Hope is saying by using the word holistic. Yes. Like it's like recovery touches all eight of those aspects of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more, you know, what I've experienced in my personal life and how I've um, seen it work in other people's lives. Yeah. And even just doing research, you know, reading the recovery literature, even doing scientific research, mm-hmm. you know, about, you said like the, the brain disease, and if you follow the disease model, it says, you know, it's progressive, incurable, and fatal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And and it says, unless arrested at some point, then recovery is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the AA 12 steps, t- and I think it's in the preamble as well, that talks about how it's available to us all. Recovery is available to us all right. as long as there's a condition, as long as we have the capacity to be honest. Mm. Yeah. That's the only requirement. As long as you can get honest, you have the ability to recover. Right. That's huge. Okay? Yeah. And so that's huge for me. And um, and I have a quote here about recovery. And I think that I actually may have gotten it off of the, the Willow Center website and or another resource that I found here. Sure. But it says, uh, recovery, a process of change through which people with substance use disorders improve their health and wellness, live self-directed lives, and strive to reach their full potential. Sounds like a dictionary definition, but it's a good summary, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, I think I got it off the Willow Center website, possibly, yeah, or one of the resources here. Page. Yes. And so, but it talks about how, you know, it affects all areas of our lives. Right. And just as like the d- disease model talks about like ad- addiction being a disease of the brain, mm-hmm. um, the NA literature talks about how it affects us um, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Yeah. So it says mentally, we have the obsession to use. Um, physically, uh, we compulsively use even with a consequence. Yeah. And then spirit, the spiritual way that it affects us is our complete self-centeredness. Mm, yeah. So because we have a spiritual malady, we need a spiritual solution. Right. And that's what the 12 steps is all about. Any 12 step program is, uh, for you to help, to help you find a God of your understanding and then to carry the message. Yeah. So that's the 11th and 12 steps is having the conscious contact with your higher power mm-hmm. and then being of service to others. That's really important. Yes. I want to circle back to that service to mm-hmm. others piece as we as we get a little further in our conversation here. But one question I have in regards to the recovery pathways is like how many are there? <laughs> I right. feel like there are so many different ways of getting sober but when it comes to recovery i mean we have like the biggies like aa and na like those are both strong popular pathways but what are some other pathways you're familiar with and is like 
is one better than the other or what what does it come down to as far as getting into recovery for myself okay so i've heard of celebrate recovery but that's also 12-step oriented Uh but it's faith-based and then there is uh the one that you and i um discussed yesterday the refuge refuge recovery recovery, yeah refuge recovery principles yes and then there is smart recovery okay and quite frankly like i've seen those each work in others lives yeah so it's just um choosing the path that works best for you Mm -hmm. but i think more than anything um it's just being willing to do the work because i don't i i feel that one's not going to be easier than the other it's just you know the um, the dedication to it, the commitment, the accountability. And I think, like you said, connection, Yeah. whatever path you choose to have a sense of community with uh, people that are also practicing that mm-hmm. and being with like-minded people that have similar goals right? Um, and like working uh, towards your goals together Yeah. Um, because that's not something that you can do on your own. Amen to that. That's really huge. So for many folks who are still in active addiction, at least those of my friends who are still in active addiction, what I hear them say most often about like barriers to stopping using okay. aside from, you know, the disease piece is all my friends use too. Like okay. this is what we do, right? Like we get drunk when we get together for the game or we use when we go to the concert or like what have you, like it is the social aspect of their life. It's, okay. it's dictated by use. And I, I feel like, you know, part of, the Willow Center's role and other centers like us is is convincing those who want to be in recovery that it's possible not only to have friends, but to have fun with your friends yes. in recovery. Yes. So is that possible in your opinion? Have you experienced it? Oh, what is MG. it like? Tell us about it. It is 100% possible. There is so much to do. You just have to put yourself out there and you have to, I mean, I feel that people that haven't found fun in recovery haven't been, they, ha- they didn't try. Hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, because really all you got to do is ask. You got to put yourself out there. You got to get out of your comfort zone. Number one, go to meetings. Yeah. Okay. Because when you're at the meetings, then you'll hear about these, you know, recovery oriented events um, in your community. Right. And somebody will pick you up and take you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you don't have a car, if you don't have a way to get there. That's just an excuse. Okay. Yeah. So I have been to conventions. I've been to dances. I've been to cookouts. Yeah. I mean, annually. And unfortunately, you know, COVID has affected some of that. Sure. Yes. But there was still... Um, an NA New Year's Eve dance and speaker. Mm. I went to a function not too long ago in Anderson that was like a potluck with speaker nice. activities for kids. Uh, it's usually, you know, fun for all ages, family oriented. Cause obviously a lot of people in recovery have families, they have children. Right. And, um, so it's something that I feel comfortable bringing my son as well. Yeah. You know, he's seven years old and it's exciting for him. Yeah, it is. It's much better taking your kid there and maybe he- hearing a curse word than taking him to a, a place where everybody's drinking and that you may leave under the influence and driving your child and right. um, putting him in a dangerous situation. I appreciate the little jab at some of our potty mouths in the recovery <laughs> community. Right. <laughs> but it's so true, right? Given yes. the consequences of And such not thing. only that, but for me, quite frankly, and um, all of my friends are in recovery, okay? Yeah. And that's what I needed to do for myself. There are friends that I have from my past, but it's kind of like I have boundaries with them. Mm -hmm. I limit 
the amount of time I spend with them. I always have like a safety plan. Like if I go into a situation where there may be drinking that I have my own vehicle so I can leave if I feel uncomfortable. Right. I alert somebody in my recovery network before I go. I say like, I may be reaching out to you because I might get uncomfortable in this situation. Sure. And making sure that I'm like protected and safe and that I have a way out. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. So. That's really good. Mm-hmm. So there's another question that I had that, um, this is, this is verging into taboo land, okay? So both in the treatment industry as well as in the recovery community at large, there are differing opinions mm-hmm. on sort of what role recurrence or, as is more commonly known, relapse plays in a recovery journey. Okay. Some people believe it's inevitable. It's going to happen, and you may as well just accept it. It's part of recovery is what some people believe. Other people okay. believe... Um, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> it doesn't have to be part of your story, right? Like there are ways to prevent relapse or recurrence. 100%. What is, what is your take on that? Okay. Are you guys ready to hear this? <laughs> um, relapse is not a part of recovery. Okay. Relapse is the opposite of recovery. Hmm. Okay. I was at an NA meeting last night and I brought up this topic. Yeah. And there is a chapter in the Narcotics Anonymous basic text about recovery and relapse. It does say though, that relapse is a reality. It is a reality for some of us, mm-hmm. but it is not part of the recovery process. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it has been in, it, yeah, it has been part of my story. And I feel that as, as long as I'm able to use that as a learning experience, opportunity for growth, mm-hmm. and I was able to dissect those relapses um, so that I know what my red, what the red flags are, what triggered it and what triggered it and to yeah. potentially um, be able to have more awareness of that, of those things happen again so that I could beef up my recovery program during those times because right. I'll know that I need a little more to prevent a relapse from happening in the future. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so um, there were so many good things read out of that chapter. Um, another thing that's extremely important I feel is that recovery is it's an upward progression. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's something that we constantly have to be working on and we're either working towards recovery or working towards a relapse. Interesting. So what the, so interesting. what the narcotics anonymous literature says and what I've experienced personally and I've seen in other people's lives is that there's no such thing as standing still ah. there's, because if you're complacent, um, because it's an upward progression, if you're not continuing to move upward with that momentum, yeah. you're going to start falling backwards hmm. and you're moving towards a relapse. Right. So that's in a nutshell, no, um, it's a really helpful metaphor. Like relapse is not part of the recovery process. Um, and it does, it definitely doesn't have to be part of your story. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that insight. Yes. Cause I think that, I mean, that metaphor you used of the upper progression for that, that hill idea yes. or mountain idea, mm-hmm. I'd never heard that before. I, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something that hopefully will be really helpful for our listeners. So thanks for sharing yes, that. Yes. And the, and the thing is to kind of like what I said with like to use is to die. Yeah. Um, and recovery is to live, you know, cause for, for a long time, especially like personally in my active addiction, I wasn't living, I was just existing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we're kind of like in the survival mode. Right. And also it's, for myself, um, just like moving from one trauma to the next right. and not even thinking, just, but just doing, right. do you know what I mean? Just and then so what, just reacting, but you. not yeah. responding, not processing anything. But now I have the opportunity and the freedom to really take a look at things, um, take time to process 
and respond instead of react. Right. Um, but to feel all those emotions, which is what most of us are running from this whole time is because we haven't learned healthy coping skills. And mm-hmm. that's what recovery is about as well. That's what the Willow Center is about is um, teaching people healthy coping skills so that right. they don't feel that they have to turn to the drug or the drink. And to know that feelings are temporary feelings aren't fact they will pass Mm -hmm. and to go based on what we know and not how we feel is is key as well yeah and the things that i know is okay if this worked for this person then it may work for me right and you know hope is an acronym for hearing other people's experiences Hmm. so if we and that's where i got my hope early in recovery is even though like literally where i was at i won't go into depth but where i was at like I would wake up and I would be angry that I was alive. Yeah. That was my reality. That was my life. And, but I was like, okay, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to do these things because I have surrendered. I've made a commitment to better my life and to, to be in a program of recovery. Yeah. So regardless of how I feel, I'm going to do these things because I know that this is what I need to do in order to stay clean. And that's my goal. Right. So it didn't matter how I was feeling. I'm going to do these things because yeah. this is what was suggested to me. This is what I see working in other people's lives. You have the evidence to support that it's evidence. going to keep you alive and I, keep you healthy. Yes. I read this in the literature. I, I heard somebody share and that gave me hope because, because they were able to do it. It's possible for me. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yes. That's really beautiful hope. Yes. So to sort of wrap up this, this conversation about what recovery is and is not, what is sort of the last step about, right? For those who are more familiar with the 12 steps, I feel like the last step is kind of, it's kind of the goal. It's kind of where you're like, you're trying to land your plane eventually after yes. getting some sobriety time under your belt. Uh-huh. Um, but tell us what that last step means, especially being a member of the recovery community. Yes. So for me, I know that like, I've not arrived. I'm not cured. I will never arrive. Like I said, and I have the freedom and the opportunity to to live on a daily basis yeah and like i had mentioned before like with any type of 12-step program the goal is for us to connect and to come to a god of our own understanding Mm -hmm. and then to carry the message yeah so 12th step is about service work and i have this quote um, that says the final stage of healing is using what happens to you to help other people Hmm. and it's like turning our pain into purpose yeah and recognizing that we went through these things and we have overcame. We don't have to live in that victim mentality. Right. We don't have to be full of self-pity. Why Why me? Why me? Mm-hmm. But like, okay, well, what was this teaching me? I view everything that happens to me as either a learning experience, a growth opportunity. And now that I've overcame, because we are overcomers, yeah. right? And I don't want us to think, okay, I'm a victim. I'm just a survivor. No, we're thriving now. We have overcome. And now we have a responsibility. I feel that there is a responsibility to carry that message to others and to let them know that recovery is possible. Yeah. So, yes, a final stage of healing is to start to help others and using that pain to heal others. I love that. Yes. Hope, what an honor. (laughs) What an honor to learn from you. I, I learned something personally, and I am... Very confident that our listeners will learn something and be inspired by some of the wisdom you shared with us today. So thank you for your willingness to share yes. so openly and so generously. Uh, it's a, it's well, a I'm grateful for the, the opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm grateful to be your colleague. This yes. is going to be a fun year. I know. It's, I'm excited. And we're going to have a lot of fun things to do in recovery. We are. So I'm going to be posting on social media and inviting people to our art fair and our paint pour and our softball. Yep. There's a bunch of really cool yes. events and uh, and connection opportunities coming up here at the Willow Center. So if you are local to the Brownsburg area, 
Make sure you come plug in. And even if you're not in the Brownsburg area, I'm going to pull you in from Indianapolis area. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are coming with me. Greater Indy, come on down. We'd love to meet you and (laughs) and get you connected. So that's been uh, episode one of season two of the Uniquely Better Life podcast. Thanks again to Hope, our first guest, uh, the client engagement specialist here at the Willow Center. I've been your host, Chase Cotton, the community director here at the Willow Center in Brownsburg. We look forward to episode two, which is going to be about the topic old friends and new friends coming up in March.